Welcome to another edition of Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. I am Matt Sanzala, and this is the podcast in which I talk to my friends. And what better than to talk to one of my best and <clears throat> oldest friends ever in history, Mike Krusevitz. What's up, everybody? Known you 30 years. Did I say your name right? It's close enough. Krusevich. <laughs> Krusevich. Right. We try, man. We try here. I was going to call you Matt Boy. but people wouldn't understand man uh a good place i want to start here is i've been you know whenever i'm asked like how i get my start in music business and all this what how did things happen i always tell the story of sitting in the living room of this house my mother's house back in end of 88 early 89 easily and having a letter from receiving a letter from John Brandon from the Laughing Hyenas. I don't remember what I ordered. I probably ordered a record or a T-shirt or something. And in that, I said that we wanted to start a zine. I would love to interview him. And it was around that time that we had gone to like our first like real proper all ages punk show here in Erie with My Three Scum, Lost, and Backwash at the uh, Continental Ballroom. And uh, we got this bright idea that we could book some shows, Mike and I and Rich. Rich Mudge. Right. We're going to get into Rich Mudge later. Have you uh, had him on here yet? No, not oh, yet. All right. No, I got to get him on here. And uh, so we're sitting in the living room. I'm holding this letter, and it says, yeah, man, just give me a call anytime. You know, we can set up the interview. And I'm talking to Mike about, man, we should try to bring the Laughing Hyenas to Erie. And he's like, call him. You were like, you were the one who pushed me to call him. Like, I was sitting there looking at his number, like, I can't call this dude. Right. <laughs> Rock star to us, practically. He was. And we had met him and stuff, buying shirts just casually. And he was, you know, he's one of the greats. And we were totally like, you were, you just encouraged me to actually make that call, which really kind of taught me everything in life. Like, make that call, do it, try. Right. Absolutely. Give it a shot because he was super nice. And it was like with that one phone call, he's like, yeah, man, I bet we could probably make that happen around April, <laughs> you know? And it did, April 9th, 1989. I remember, though, panicking about you know the, his, how much money they wanted. 350 bucks. That's pretty scary for some, what, 17-year-olds? <laughs> yeah, we were 17, and I remember what we did. We both had our little jobs. I think we were both like busboys or something at the time. Right. I was at the Oakwood Cafe, and I think we saved all our money. Like, I know that we had what we needed for that day between the three of us, at least between the two of us, you know, three fifty for them, one fifty for knife dance, I think one twenty five for the sound and rental of the room. Fifty for lost or something. Well they didn't pay him. No, we paid him. <laughs> Everybody I think we literally broke exactly even that show. I remember that. Like the money that came in went to uh worked out perfect. Yep. And we probably did flyers for like two months every day. <laughs> covering every place that we could go. I, did, I think I, we did print flyers. I think I printed them. We did, you know, clip arted them. Yep. And I printed them in my graphic arts class. Yes. But we didn't put the freaking date or something on there. On one of them, and we had to write them with marker. We had marker. to handwrite them. I remember yep. that. That was our first flyer <laughs> ever. And that's really started off that whole summer booking shows together, and uh, we also, I tell people about the radio show. And you weren't there, I think, when I was in the room. And I can never remember the third guy's name. And he, we bought records off this guy sometimes. But it was Phil Pierre and Ron Lewis <clears throat> and another guy. They had a reggae show on WERG here at the college station in Erie. Yeah, I and can't they got kicked off. And I was there. 
it was an apartment just off of uh, 6th Street downtown by Gannon. And they had just gotten kicked off. And I said to them, man, that sucks. I got I have reggae records. I'd love to do that show. I wish I could get that show in high school. And he's like, the guys are like, call this guy right now. Tell him. And uh, tell him you, you got what you just said. You got reggae records. You like to fill in on the show. And again, I was sitting there like, this guy, ain't, I'm in high school. He ain't putting me on the radio. And I called the guy, and I believe it was Tom Weber, who's also in the dogs and done lots of things around Erie for years. Um, and I said that. I said, you know, I've got reggae records, and I heard you kicked off the guys from the reggae show. I'd love to take over. And he's like, you got the reggae records? All right, be down there at 945. You, the reggae man will show you how to uh, run the board. I tried the reggae man. Yeah. He'll show you how to run the board, and uh, you can get started. No radio experience whatsoever. <laughs> they didn't put much effort in a, a program back then, I don't think. <laughs> but we went down there, and the reggae man was super nice to us. He showed us what to do. Probably let us, he definitely let us record sometimes. And that show progressed into a reggae, hip hop, funk, fishbone, red hot chili peppers, mighty boss tones, right. mixed with old reggae, mixed with public and, enemy. And when you said you had reggae records, that was probably like 10 of them. Yes, <laughs> probably. And I know I remember us running around. Probably went to Cleveland and went to every little store and tried to buy. <clears throat> I was looking for reggae compilations, so right. I would have more songs. <laughs> oh, those are the days, yeah, man. For sure. Two. But then they remember the one guy came down there. Mm-hmm. He like no rap, no rap. Yes, he uh, was the program director later in the year, and. Uh, we, what we used to do was the show was 10 to midnight. He was pretty mad, if I remember. He was. Oh, we went in on him. <laughs> but uh, we, we, the show was 10 to midnight, but we'd stay later sometimes and play rap, especially if we had Casey and Slick calling us or some other crazy people calling us. We, those two called us every week <laughs> and made crazy requests, but we'd stay on and play more hip-hop. <clears throat> One night, this, it, it was in a basement of a building. It was nobody else in that building when we'd be down there in the night on a Sunday night. And... Uh, the program director comes in and just like sticks his face in the door and says, uh, guys, no rap. Just no, no. Like, why? <laughs> just no rap. That's all he said to us. And so, of course, <laughs> as soon as he left, we played all rap and ridiculed him. And he had uh, little jingles for his, he's like the morning show guy too. And he had these jingles for his, uh, his morning show that said his name. I'm not going to say his name. I think I remember it. I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I've looked him up. He had a career in radio, actually. Nice. Um, but he kept... <laughs> we started playing these things over and over, and look who's here. It's A. And he's like, and they're going out to, hey. We're just no rap. Like, no rap. Wait. Boom. Play like brand new. That was probably before, that was before brand new means time. But, you know, we were playing... Definitely playing like Eric B and Rakim and Public Enemy and the Beastie Boys and Run DMC and those type of songs. And uh, they didn't call us until the next Sunday at like 8 o'clock at night. And uh, they're like, yeah, uh, we've been told to not let you guys in tonight. Um, don't bother coming down. Your show's been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, that's crazy. And if you remember correctly, we were here in this house again, 
And we pretty much called every single person we knew. There was no texting or emailing back then. We would call and say, call WRG right now and ask them what's up with the reggae show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome you remember so much because I do not. <laughs> well, that's why you're here, man. You're, you're going to jar some things for me, man. The, uh, but that was, that was fun. Those were the days. And that's, that's where, for me, it all started was here in Erie. You know, and uh, you went to Strong Vincent. I went to Tech. Uh, we met through a guy, another guy named Matt. And I remember when I first met you, the first thing I said to myself was, who the hell is this guy? Who is his mouth? He's being quiet and kind of <clears throat> chill today. But 16-year-old Mike yeah, that was different. had no chill. <laughs> <laughs> None whatsoever. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> we never got beat up. Never. People said they were going to many times, but I, I'm kind of shocked that we somehow survived our some close teenage calls. years. <laughs> <laughs> we survived our teenage years somehow here in uh, the mean streets of Erie, Pennsylvania. That's right. Man, what's, uh, what's, what are some of your memories, like the best show of that, that year? Besides Laughing Hyenas. Jeez, see, I can't learn. What year was that? 89. I, I don't know. I think when, when we seen Naked Ray Gun in Pittsburgh. Oh, man. Like, that might have been a little later. That was, that was at the Sonic Temple. No. No? Nope. That was Son- it was Naked Ray Gun, Lab Skull, and Bitch Magnet at Carnegie Mellon University. Yes, that's right. That was at the school. That's on, right. On like a kind of bigger stage even. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I remember specifically, they had so many dope T-shirts. We went, we found an ATM so we could buy more shirts. I definitely had a bitch magnet T-shirt. Yep. They kind of got bigger after that, I think. A bit, yeah. yeah. My, my kids have my naked ring on shirts. Nice. Those are one of the things I know that is way in the back of my attic. <laughs> I know I got those. Probably four or five of them. I would like to go dig through that attic <clears throat> today. I remember a cop sitting on one of those folding banquet tables, like, you know, in Rent a cop sitting there, and it broke right in half, and he just fell. <laughs> and that's what, the van was okay, but I remember yeah. that happening to that. And we guy. interviewed Naked Ray on that right, night. That is right. Too. That's crazy. I forgot about that. We did. Yeah. And we, uh, well, you when, right after I moved to Houston, though, you brought Shutter to Think to Erie. Right. Then we, yeah, with uh, Outface, Outface from Cleveland, which Mike Ski did all that work. Oh yeah. To bring them. Kind of a collab thing. Yeah. It was pretty, it worked out good. It, it looked was, good. Yeah, it was nice. Then the singer from Outface from Cleveland went on to be the singer for Sepultura from Brazil. Like he took over from their original vocalist and has been with them ever since. Nice. It's crazy. Goes all over the world. Right. <clears throat> Pete, Pete Stottmuller brought all. Yeah, that was We got big. to interview them. Didn't we? Yeah I, yeah. I remember sitting outside with them. That's right. And then Pete brought Urge Overkill? Yeah. Right? Either him or Tim or somebody, that whole crew. They did some big things, too, yeah. Yeah. That little ballroom. Right. Bocce courts on, uh, like, 19th or 20th Street or something. The Continental. Yeah. Tinfoil ceiling. Tinfoil ceiling. (laughs) Yep. No, but that's, uh, we come from the There couldn't have been a more perfect place... For us at that time, exactly. Like they put their, they put some trust in us. Yeah, you know, that was that was 
wild. I mean, I didn't know that how microphones and speakers appeared in a venue. Like they showed us how to do all that. Call this guy, tell him what you need, call the singer of the band, ask him what kind of mic he wants. Right. We'll find, you know, we'll get it all. You know, we need to get there. Yeah. Those guys are definitely patient and helpful down there. Yeah. They taught us everything right off the bat. It was amazing. Cause we come from the days, like I got to tell people we did those shows out of necessity to an extent. Cause we lived in Erie, Pennsylvania, which luckily isn't too far from Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Buffalo. They're all about two-hour drives away, and we had to travel right. for a show, and we did that a lot. Absolutely. It was a nice central location. <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's a great location for getting to other places, right. too. I remember going to see Fugazi, and I bought a $100 1975 Ford Torino off a guy named Chris Page for 100 bucks, right. And I said to him, man... I only, re- only reason I want to buy a car is so I could take it to shows. <clears throat> and I was like, is this thing going to make it to Cleveland? <laughs> and he's like, it's going to make it. It had a hole in the side and the back fender. You have photos of that car? I, I do mean, have one for sure. I I would love to see it. Man, and we, uh, he said, look, if you ever get stuck, I'll come pick you up. <laughs> I was like, whatever, here, 100 bucks. I bought the car. That's right. But we did have a blowout on the way to Fugazi. Where was that show? Cleveland. I think maybe it it wasn't I don't I can see the venue in my head and it wasn't Peabody's the fantasy. I feel like Starvation Army opened for him or was that something else? Well I don't think I don't know. Maybe they were. They should have been if they they should have been on that show. But I remember the fat kid from uh who's later in integrity, Chubby. All right. And he was in confront. Yeah. Almost starting a fight with whoever one of the wearing one of the opening bands, I don't and we were just standing there like, "Who are these idiots?" At a Fugazi show, our Fugazi was that was nice. We were right up front; <clears throat> they were definitely rocking. That was their prime right there. That was incredible yeah, to see them. Nice. No, that was amazing. And Bad Brains, we got to interview Bad Brains yeah. at the Fantasy Theater in Cleveland, and then the Sonic Temple you brought up in in Pittsburgh was major for us, like. That was such a low key, weird little. Like it was like I an see, old church or something. Right. I feel like I seen Naked Ray on there. You know what? Maybe we did. An ignition. Well, we saw ignition, ignition with the laughing hyenas together at the and Sonic knife Temple. dance at Sonic Temple. Yeah. yeah. All right. That was nice. And Chris Paul got naked. Right. <laughs> on stage. I have a picture of that. In my, they developed it in yeah. my photo album. I, I still should have brought that freaking thing. I want to see that. I've got it too, man. I've got pictures from it's, that show. It's probably like 20 pages, but it has some things in there that I should have brought. I know, man. Well, man. we can go over there and look. Right. The uh, Man, those were the days, though. Those shows and traveling to those shows right. also meant we'd go to the record stores, <laughs> you know. Right, always. We had to be, like, real resourceful back then. And it's kind of crazy to think, like, you know, as an old man, like, what would I be like if... When I was a teenager, I had every record ever in the world in my pocket. No, but when bands were calling, you'd be like, you, we'd be somewhere. I'd get home. My mom would have a note. Yeah. Like, Michael, <laughs> call Enema Milkshake or something. <laughs> like, I'm like, damn. Enema, <laughs> right. enema Milkshake. <laughs> and we did bring them from right. Buffalo. Man. I'm like, don't say that when you call me. <laughs> I mean, Gigi Allen used to call my dad's house. <laughs> right. And he would say, 
it would be from a correctional facility in Michigan, and my dad would just roll his eyes and be like, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) You could have talked to him for a while, Dad. Yeah, right. No, but uh, think about that, though, man. What if we had access to so so much of this stuff? I feel like I don't comprehend. I mean, as we get older, it is what it is, but I don't comprehend, like, music like I did back then when we had to find it and search for it and get so happy when we're like, oh my God, this record store in Cleveland has this record I've been wanting. Right. I hadn't even heard it. I think when you're younger though, you have you have a you're around twenty people. So you have every you have people when you get older, it's hard. You don't have twenty friends you're hanging around that tell you about new music. But I mean I'm just saying the way my brain absorbs it when I hear it on a stream. Or when I just hear like a, some playlist or somebody's, you know, I don't really super anticipate albums anymore because it's too easy. Too right, absolutely, you know what I You're mean? Like, oh, your favorite band has a new album. Yeah, I'll there, listen to it next no week. Hype, right? It's <laughs> always be right there. It's like, gonna be right here yeah. on this phone and bearing. No right, I get it. So I feel kind of fortunate. Buying <clears throat> records at Record Country just because the cover looked cool. Yep, you know, that happens sometimes. <laughs> and buying like import magazines at Record Country just to be like, you know, to find out what right. was up, you know. I mean, I also think about what if I had all that porn in my pocket as well. I don't know. It's we had to work for our porn back in the day, man. Right. You know, this wasn't simple. This wasn't a simple pursuit like it is now. I couldn't. I'm glad I wasn't. I'm glad I didn't have a smartphone at like 14 years old. I remember we walked probably 14. <laughs> I don't know. Before I met you, we were walking to Super Duper, probably mm-hmm. by Doritos and Little Hugs or something. And there was a brown bag way in the corner, and I opened it up, and there was like a three-inch stack of some nudie books, and that was like the greatest day of my early <laughs> teens. Because I was like, "Holy shit! Like, who would get rid of these?" Yeah, no, I had experiences like that. And I hid those fuckers. My mom never found them. My mom once found my stash. I, I was way younger though. I was like, I was still on Twenty Sixth Street, and I was like, "Uh," and you know why she found them? Because my sister and I both got mid-quarter reports or something mm-hmm. from our teachers about school or whatever. And I said to my sister, I was like, man, I don't want her, my mother to see, our mother to see this. Just forget it. I'm going to stash them. Right. And my sister told her, he put him under his mattress. Oh. <laughs> and she just whoops open the mattress and there's like seven pornos. I have mine under the carpet, which, you know. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> man, but could you imagine, man? Yeah, that's right. Could you imagine just opening your phone, being 14, having an iPad? I probably wouldn't have had, my mom wouldn't have bought me a phone anyway, probably, so. Right, but someone would have had one. <laughs> it was way different. They didn't Definitely. have, there weren't no pictures on the Texas Instruments, right. <laughs> whatever that thing was, whatever that compute, first home computer people were getting was. That I never knew how to use except right. to play like one game. Exactly. You know, but it was that shit's crazy, man. But I think it was funny because uh, growing up here, we, I try to tell people, they, a lot of people don't understand now that back in the day, everybody didn't like hip hop. Like right. nowadays, there's hip hop, there's music everywhere, what they call hip hop even these days. Or, you know, the rap music is like, infiltrated everything and it's just like normal everyday sort of music to most people maybe there's super racists out there who hate it but there's also super racist rap in this world but 
people, we were weirdos being punk rock and hip hop. And hip hop, right? Now that's mainstream. That's and that's so what weird. it's about. Like we were playing, we'd be in the punk rock place playing the Ice Cube tape, or we'd be in some other shit and listening nobody to. Nobody was mad. Listening to Fugazi. Right. And reggae and different stuff, but I always am kind of so like back in the day there were people who I mean the Continental Bottom not the one dude I think his name might have been Tom yeah the the other guy like some of the like Mike Ski and them had some show where a couple guys rapped on stage and they were like you better not bring that in here again oh damn or not they he right he was just like you better not bring that rap in here again yeah. And I was like, yeah, people, you know, venues will get shut down. Right. For rap, you know. Mm. So it was a whole different time. <clears throat> and uh, I remember, especially 1990 90 was the first Lost Tour. Right. America's and, Most Wanted came out. Yeah, America's Most Wanted was out. And uh, you had a van, and the band had a van. And so you and I and Rich Mudge again, we went out as like the road crew. We booked the tour and uh, seven dudes and two vans drove for, I think, like six weeks. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was more than a month. It was like six week tour from Erie. And I remember we went to New York City our first time in New York to ABC No Rio. Right. And speaking of opportunities, that's where I met Jim Testa from Jersey Beat, who was the first person who ever let me write. You know, when we gave him the fanzine and stuff. That's cool. And uh, met him there. And uh, My Three Scum was on that show, too. So we were all in New York together. I remember buying a bootleg NWA straight out of Compton hat on the street in the Lower East Side. And uh, <clears throat> from there, the band's next show was at the Middle East in Boston. But we had people to stay with in D.C., and I wanted to get down there, and I didn't, you know, the, the routing right. sucked to go up to Boston and then back to D.C. So we left them after the first show. They did Boston and then came to D.C., and we were all together after that. And I feel like we had a few days in D.C. easily because right. um, my memories, like, we saw a lot while we were there. Yeah, I remember being parked in Manhattan and being worried about the oh. van being spray-painted on. Exactly, yes. And uh, the only thing that happened is they pushed the mirror so the, the rear view mirror, the side mirror, facing mm-hmm. the sidewalk. So everybody just walked by and fixed their hair in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so bad. No, it wasn't bad. That was, that was an experience. I don't think we even stayed the night in New York, though. I think we took off for D.C. and they right. took off for Boston. Right. And stayed with our friend Tamara in D.C. And we got to go to D.C. Space and all those places that we heard about. Heard lore of right. from the DC scene. That was my favorite scene, probably. Yeah, it was. Yeah, in that age group, for sure. Mike Fugazi and all the stuff that preceded them were definitely some of my favorites. Government issue. Government issue. Oh God. Yeah, they were definitely dag nasty. Even they yeah, were my, they were probably my first favorite. Yeah, punk rock, punk rock band. I guess. Man. When uh, Spotify, not really when Spotify first came around, but when I first started using it, <clears throat> I swear to you, the only thing I listened to was the Ignition album. It's not because I had it on vinyl. I don't have it, and I don't know where it is, and I don't have it anymore. But that was like I would listen to that over and over and over. And last year, I hadn't listened to Shudder to Think in years, and I listened to the first three albums, and uh, Spotify created like 
the Shutter to Think playlist <laughs> for nice. some reason. I was not into them too much. Really? Yeah. The first three albums I liked. I guess just didn't pay attention. I mean, when they, we booked them here, but yeah, it was like, you know. We saw them in Buffalo, too. Were you at that show? Uh, Lost played with them. No. No, I, would, I don't think so. And that, I videoed that show, and it's on YouTube. Somebody put it up. That's sweet. Yeah. One of the last shows I do remember is Rochester. What was that? When they opened for the Goo Goo Dolls. I wasn't there. Oh, that was awesome because it was like, I think the place was called the Continental. Hmm. And it was really like, it was nice because it was like, oh, we're a band. We went to the venue, or we went to like this legendary Rochester place and ate the garbage plate. I definitely ate a garbage plate with Nick Tahoe's. And then when we got to the club, they had pizza for us. So it was like some real band shit. And the Goo Goo Dolls were there, which I was kind of into at the time. So was that around the time when they recorded as well? I can't freaking remember. Were you at the place where the house where the guy worked for the porno company? And he had a house that looked like a library, but it wasn't books. It was VHS porn. No. You weren't there? I don't think so. So you probably went with them to Rochester for the, the show. And then I think we did a video shoot in Rochester, possibly, and I was there with them. Yeah, I went with them for the, the recording session, and I don't totally even remember. I'm trying, there was a band there that had this studio, and it was a proper studio. And one of the people that was backing the record, I guess, or the recording, was a guy who worked for a company called Zane Entertainment, which was a porn company that started in Rochester but got run out of Rochester because it was a porn company, and they moved to L.A. But he was still, like, editing in his house, I guess, in Rochester. He still was doing, like, editing and stuff. Wow. But his house was, and he was a a fucking nut, but his house was like a library of, of shelves with just VHS porn movies everywhere. Actually... No, that most of the house was like B movies and weird movies, like crazy shit. But then he took us up to like the the upstairs or the, the attic area. Yeah, and <laughs> it was just like, what is this? I also would have killed for this at thirteen. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he showed us crazy uh, things we never saw before in our life, like bestiality movies and shit movies. That was where I had to go. I couldn't watch all yeah, that. Glad it wasn't there. It was disgusting. But uh. That was really strange, and we did eat the garbage plate. Um, man, those were uh, Rochester is kind of a cool place too, with a lot of history. Kodak comes from there. Yeah, I haven't. That was like the. I haven't done much visiting in Rochester. I haven't been is there since. Genesee's there, right? Or yeah, Genesee. There? Cook's Golden Anniversary beer was my shit. Family traditions of beer. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gone to Rochester since the '90s for sure. But the, the, that, those were fun times. The uh, the mix though back then of of music, it was always it was like I feel like it was so much more. I mean, I guess I'm not in high school now, so I don't know. But I feel like when I see the kids today, they all are kind of into like a certain thing to an extent. Or at least they all know about it through TikTok or whatever. Right. Everybody's informed of like this is what's happening. My kids listen to weird electronic stuff and then old punk and old and Elena even listens to like public enemy and old rap, <clears throat> which I thank God for. Right. But, uh, yeah, I don't you know. Strive for that as a parent. Yeah. And then sometimes they don't. So is it like that anymore? I wonder in school, is it like, cause the mainstream, 
Because, look, we weren't, like, punk punk. Right. But we liked it. We knew more about the music than most of these people. Right. We were nerds, basically. Misfits, for real. Absolutely. And and Vandals. Mildly (laughs) Vandals. Huh? Mildly. Mild Vandals. No, we didn't do things that hurt anybody or ruined anything, but we did dumb shit. Yeah, definitely. One of my favorite... (laughs) One of my favorite Vandals moments... Was when we used to paint over gang graffiti, right? <laughs> and, no, and we still were alive, but we would make up fake gang names, and uh, I'm not gonna say it because they may find us to this day. Who knows who's gonna hear this? But uh, but then you'd hear rumors about our in fake school. game and yep. our fake gang, and we kind of sounded like badasses. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> people would be in school talking shit. <laughs> like, man, we are gonna find them. <laughs> like telling us, we are gonna find them, man. Like. I don't know, like putting how people's house for, for sale. You know? <laughs> yeah. That didn't hurt anybody. No, we would take take real estate signs, just <laughs> put them in front of people's houses. In fact, if you remind me before you leave, I have a golf flag in the I've garage. Seen it, right? You can have it. I don't Maybe think, we should go stick it in somebody's yard. I think we should go put it back. <laughs> we could. Oh, you don't have your headphones on. This is crazy. Um. It might be your mic, but we're getting this buzz. And it's happened before. I'm back in feedbacking or something? Huh? Am I feedbacking? No. It went away. No, I swear, the last time it happened, there was a bug in the uh, in the mic, like on the coils. I think he was. Uh, I think that was on your side. I think so, too. And I didn't pay attention because I wanted to do. Dude, there's a bug on your mic. Yeah. That's crazy. He probably just got zapped in there right now. Fucker. What? Crazy. Made me lose my whole train of thought. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Putting houses up for sale. We will go take golf flags from uh, old Christmas from trees. The- <laughs> <laughs> Moving those around. Now, <laughs> 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 uh, were you there when we did that to Tom? Uh, yeah, a yeah. couple times. He it lived a- over here yeah, he somewhere. <laughs> this was a good story. This wasn't vandalism. This was just being stupid. I mean, and if we were... If we had mobile phones back then, you know how much funnier we would be than all these people and crank TikTokers. Crank calling also. We, crank, we were yeah. crank call masters, but the uh, which you can't do anymore. But the because uh, no one answers anyway. Right. <clears throat> but the uh, it was <laughs> this is the dumbest thing. No one's gonna laugh except us. Right. <laughs> it was after Christmas and people could take <laughs> their Christmas trees out <laughs> and just throw them away on the side. You put them on the side of the road for the trash people to pick up. And our friend Tom had a dad who was significantly older than our dads at the time, I think, and uh, kind of cranky. And we were with these girls, and uh, they had thrown their Christmas tree out, and we sent this girl, Denise, to the door with the tree. She was holding the tree and said she was really poor and her family couldn't afford a tree. Could we have it? Could she take the tree? That's it's, a friend who would do that. No, no it was funny because he was like, I don't give a shit what you do with the tree. Ah, and if we had us. cameras back then, too. I know, if right? we could have had that. Because it doesn't sound as funny as it was in real life and, and if you could see the guy's face. But the funny part was we took the tree and then like a half hour later, she goes, because he freaked out on her and like, I don't give a shit what you do. She goes back to the door and takes the tree 
It's like, I'm sorry, I don't need this. And she brought it back. And he was just so mad. It was like Sunday night, probably 9.30 or something. And he was so mad that, so what did we do? We went and got a bunch of trees and threw them all in front of his house. Other people had thrown away Christmas trees, and we went and got them, threw them in the van, and then went and threw them all in front of his house. And your mom having that caravan was the perfect time. Yeah, exactly. We had a Dodge caravan. Perfect vehicle for her. And uh, so the next week, Tom was saying that me and my dad are going to be ready on trash night this week. We're going to be watching our videos. (laughs) Cool, because we're not coming back. (laughs) And I'm like, Tom, have you never ridden around? How do you not know that it was us? (laughs) Who else is doing that? Right. (laughs) No. No one. Just dumbasses us. Mm. But the crank calls were funny because, and and Tom was involved in that because he had the mic and I had the guitar amp where where we used his and we would take the amplifier and turn the reverb up all the way. And this is, nobody had caller ID or anything. And we would just call up random people and say, do you know who this is? Is this is Satan? <laughs> <laughs> they'd be like, what? That's my cell phone. Yeah, it's caller ID. <laughs> we may, that might be our fault. We were dumb. Like, but what did we, you know, it's funny. Like I said, we booked shows and did all that stuff out of necessity. Because what the fuck do we have to do? Entertain ourselves by calling others and harassing <laughs> them. Yeah, and we'd be home. Parents working somewhere. And just being miscreants. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> but I can't even imagine that happening now. Now all they got is fentanyl. Right. You know? <clears throat> but that's all they have to do these days. But, no, man, that, that shit was fun and funny. And growing up in Erie was uh, really, I think I don't know if that's unique is the right word, but. Made it work. Here we are. Yeah, it did. It's not a small small town. It's a smaller city. Right. But it's not a big city. But it's not just some little town. It's a city. Yeah. Things happen here. And it's have happened. proximity to all kinds of places. And we have a beautiful lake. Beautiful nature. Absolutely. That we didn't take enough advantage of as, as kids. We were in the streets. I try to do it now, though. Yeah, now we're the streets. Yeah, we're not on the streets like that anymore. You're, y'all, are, y'all are okay. Your Christmas trees are safe. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <clears throat> that was a. Uh, those were fun times though. That that shit was crazy. Absolutely, dumpster donuts. Oh, that was another good prank. Well, we would sometimes that the mighty fine would throw their donut. There was a mighty fine over here too, right, right. over here on the west side. And they would throw their donuts into a dumpster, and we would go take garbage bags full of them. And there was a couple times where we got an excess dozen amount. taped in a box. They were good. Yeah, exactly. Ones that were decent. Your also, mom would never eat them, though. No. <laughs> she was pretty disgusted. But <clears throat> if you remember, there was at least one or two times when we got multiple bags of donuts and just dumped them in the middle of a street. Distributed <laughs> them about the city. Just a random. But one time we put them just like a random back, side street. <laughs> so when people get up for work in the morning, they just like drive through this. That's why there's litter in front of my house every day. I deserve it. <laughs> it's karma, yeah. No, you were a litter bug. <sighs> for real. <laughs> Times were different back then, kids. I clean up litter now instead of doing it. Yep, man. Mm. Donuts were biodegradable, though. For yeah. You could do anything with those, but no, it'd be. I, and then, of course, we didn't ever see the reaction. But I, I think about that. Like, what 
something like Tom's dad type, just angry, like me getting up when you got to get up early, go somewhere, and you pull out, and there's any semblance of traffic, but you pull out your driveway, and you can't go down because there's a mountain of donuts. (laughs) (laughs) We'd have been on so many ring cameras. Right. (laughs) Next door would have been, half of it would have been about us. I tell you what, kids, on the apps. And there weren't no podcasts back then. We had Canadian radio and WRG, basically. We did what we could. WMCE sometimes. Uh, Poker party. I still listen to the Poker party. I do sometimes. On a if I Sunday. Remember. Yeah. Sunday afternoons at 3 o'clock on WRG. It's crazy how this is 30, this is 40 years down the line, man. That WRG, the Gannon University station on the weekends, has not changed a bit. Right. Super, Super Soul, Soul Saturday. Saturday. Right. That's the Italian show. The Play Like Church, the Italian show, the Spanish show, and the Polka Party. But it has changed. There's no reggae show on Sunday nights anymore. But uh, all that stuff has been since we were kids. My grandparents listened to that. They're not even Italian, and they listen to the Italian show. Right. You know. uh, There's a point where that worldly music kind of sounds the same. Yeah. Spanish. Well, polkas. I mean, the Italian show still plays the same exact songs. Still playing the same. That's a more. Right. We had ten reggae records. They might only have like one. Yeah, comp- Italian one compilation. compilation for the last forty years. It's on tape. Jimmy Roselli. <laughs> yep. The uh, <clears throat> but man, all the stuff that's at our fingertips now is insane. Absolutely. And I think it messes with our memory, like how to remember some of these things, because I all these things we're talking about, I remember from back then, like fairly vividly. <clears throat> I don't. Know, the last six weeks, I'm like, huh. <laughs> what just happened? Well, you had a lot going on. Well, you had a lot going on, but we're also looking at our phones and Googling things instead of thinking. I mean, I used to know everybody's phone number. Right. I could probably pull up your old number in my brain if I took a second. <laughs> your phone number here is 838. Nope. 8, 6, 4, 6, 9, 4, 6. Yep. That was it? Yeah, that's it here. Exactly. That's it. Those old brains, they still work. <clears throat> Give me a second. Mm-hmm. What was it about? Uh, I'm trying to think of like early stuff here before. I mean, we went. I, I tell people we used to go to you know punk stuff. Like when we saw My Three Scum. Were you with me the first time I saw Larry's band FOD at that gym, like the outside of a Nautilus? No, we the first show was. I have the freaking ticket stub still in that photo album it was my three scum and some heavy metal dudes like talent which and probably talent talent and night Witch. and you fucking stage dive there and there was like you know six punk rockers <laughs> <laughs> right. and that was it was fucking awesome yeah that was funny and then i think like the second show was probably when those college dudes brought knife dance like dan allen i think brought right them to, and they played a picnic pavilion i think and i was that in shit was rock and roll right there yeah. I, I think know, I was in there? Houston. No, I think I was in Houston. I yeah. have the flyer for that show still. Yeah, I think I probably went with Matt Mahalski or somebody. Yeah, because it was in the summer, and I'm pretty sure I wasn't was, here. That was that was what's up. Yeah, I wish. Knife Dance, man. They were revolutionary. Yeah, that was. Yeah, they were the best. If you, <laughs> this is cool, actually, because I couldn't believe it. I saw Robert Griffin from Prison Shake and The Dark, which was Tom Dark's original band before, well before Knife Dance, and. uh when they were kids, 
and we're Tom and I still text here and there. And uh, <clears throat> he sent me a link to a YouTube. He did a, like a Tom Dark review. Like Tom had a band and he did songs from the guns, songs from, well, it's definitely songs from the dark and from Knife Dance and his and stepsister and his later stuff. Like he had this whole thing. He was doing Driven and Catwalk and like those songs. Nice. And Robert Griffin got up with him and played songs from the dark at a Beachland Ballroom in Cleveland. I was like, man, it's, it's inspiration right there. I mean, he's a good 10 years older than us. Still rocking. Still doing what he does. that was cool about Knife Dances because they were, yeah, a little older. But looked like, out for oh, us. Yeah, right. We'll play there. Just make sure we get, you know, cover our gas. 150 G. Right. You know? <laughs> like, all right. Mm. And it was always a killer show. For sure. That was, you know, and they definitely were the ones who kind of took us under, Tom took us under his wing for sure. Because they opened for, did they open for Tad? Yeah. I think so. And Tad was the first interview we ever did at the Sonic Temple in Pittsburgh. All right. Man, that's crazy. The best interview was like probably the Bad Brains because we were like on the tour bus. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> we ate some of their freaking fresh fruit. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, I know. Dude, you guys are badasses when we're like 18. Yep. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, how did that even happen? Was nice though. Yep. And my favorite band, hands down. Absolutely. Bands, you know, I mean, live especially. For sure. We, uh, man, yeah, night, man. You got me thinking about that Naked Ray Gun show though. And I mean, with Live Skull and Bitch Magnet, that's a crazy lineup. Right. And a school put that together and paid for it. We need to get to Pittsburgh, <clears throat> go back. Because that was a, uh, I remember speaking of buying records at the Sonic Temple, Dave Martin and those guys would have a whole record store every show you'd go to. That would be like So okay, yeah. Dave was the other dude at Gannon that yeah. had the punk rock show. Yep. What was his show? My Disco. My Disco was Dave Dave Martin and Dan Allen. All right. And maybe someone else. And then uh Angry Red Radio. Yeah, who was that? That was Dan Allen and I think Ron Lewis, maybe. Okay. And then after that, there was that other dude from out of town that had a little punk rock show. Kevin. Hmm. I don't think we... He was kind of whatever. And then later, we found out all his records got stolen or something. Hmm. I think he was from D.C. I don't know. Maybe I missed that. I don't know. He had to be. Hmm. Yeah, that was that was crazy. Making tapes. <clears throat> that was our playlist, like recording songs off the radio. Oh, yeah, and now we've got it all right at our fingertips, whatever we want. Just click, point and click. Yep. Still yep. can't use the technology, though. No. I barely use my cell phone. I yeah, I noticed. can use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not the best at answering texts, man. I'm just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you're listening to these days? Is anything- Hardly, not really. Oh, same shoot I listened to, you know, when our dads were listening to the same music and it became classic rock. Yeah. That's how it is. I'm listening to the same crap I listened to 30 years ago. Brand Nubian and Fugazi. Right. And the Descendants. Milo had a heart attack this week. Oh, no. They say he's going to be okay, but they canceled the European tour for the Descendants. Yikes. Which sucks. Yeah. They got to be getting up there in age. Yeah. 
last time, well, we saw him, what, 10 years ago or so. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun fest. Yeah, that's yeah. the first time I've ever seen him. Me too. For sure. Because they were before our time to an extent right. as far as shows right. and stuff. They were probably making records in 1986. Or before that, I think. And then all became, a th- all, was de- all was here in 89, so they were around. They No, they were way, the sentence were before 86 because all was at the latest 88. I was into that for a while too. Oh, me too. When they first came out, all yeah, of course, <laughs> that was great. And then I guess as you know, you got, got to be twenty one, and then music became less important, <laughs> and drinking became more important. I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they go hand in hand pretty well. <laughs> Sometimes they work pretty well together. I think <laughs> you know. Yeah, we could buy a lot more records at the shows back before we drank. That was for sure. We could, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know if we could have done that whole tour if we were like big drinkers. Right. We didn't have any money. We didn't make any money. Maybe there was one of us that was actually 21. <clears throat> hmm. Probably. Maybe. But even still, I mean, spending that money and all right. we saved, you know, and we ate bread, canned ravioli, <laughs> canned food and bread. And it was the best time of our lives. Like calling mom. Yeah, exactly. Once a week. Exactly. Where are you? <laughs> At a rest stop in. Where? <laughs> I've been <Fine>. sleeping. <laughs> we have no. I, I, we started with 200 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be good. Man. No, that was it. That was shit. Well, man, I'm very glad we got to sit down and have a podcast. Absolutely. I'll probably think of more stuff later. Yeah, no, exactly. Always. When we start going through your archives. I want to. All right. I'll bust it out. I'll look up there later. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm coming with a box. With some I'm coming with some cash. I'm gonna be up there like like uh American Pickers. American Pickers, exactly. Or uh Storage Wars. Aaron would always be like, You need to get American Pickers over at your house. I'm like, Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> No, I can't. Say get out. I know that's the thing, man. That's what that's our problem, man. And like this last couple of weeks here, clearing out my mother's house, <sighs> like that's a my lesson in letting sales, go. My estate sale is gonna be awesome. Yeah, I should have it before I die. Yeah, no, do that. <laughs> no, I think I'm thinking about my kids. Like, if something were to happen to me, God forbid, they wouldn't know what the hell half that stuff is I have in there. Right? I'd be like, what is this? Why? I'm like, that's worth something. It had freaking value to Matt. Dad and Uncle Mike, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> they laughed about this shit for 30 years. Who? <laughs> Whatever, your kids wouldn't know what to do. Oh, yeah, no, I know. All the things you kept. Yep. And records are heavy. Right. Boxes of records are way too heavy. But, yep, it is what it is, man. Well, I thank you for coming down. All right, finally. Getting some time out here, talking to Mike. Matt Boy. That's what Reggae Man sometimes right. would call you. He'd forget. Matt Boy. His name's Mike. Matt Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I'll no. take it. At least we didn't talk in Jamaican accents on right. our show. We talked just like worse than this. Probably. Yeah. And made really dumb jokes. But no different. No, it got us started. Got we us are. started Same and it was thing. fun. Yeah, exactly. We should go down to WRG tonight and try to Probably. see what we can do. Right? We could probably get in. There'd be nobody down there. Like, you're just letting 18-year-olds in here. Yeah. I probably. Know. I mean, I turn it on, and it sounds mostly automated these days. Right. Which is a shame. 
fucked. What are you going to do? There is, speaking of classic rock, uh, I don't know if you've noticed this because I've told a few people and nobody knew what I was talking about, but 95.5 FM here in uh, Erie right now is a low-power FM station. They even say it, LPFM, 95.5. I think it's like, whoa. Like, it's not even, I don't even remember the call letters, but every, like, half hour they'll say, thanks to our sponsor. I don't even remember. It's like a different, like, business here. Right. But they just play, like, album rock, classic rock, album rock. Without commercials. And I was in a car with a friend, Chris, and he had Bob FM on, which is like half commercials. Right. And I was like, if you want to hear like the oldies and this, just put it on 95.5. Somebody's doing it here and here. I don't know who. I need to look that up. Right. But ain't nothing changed. I'm still flipping the dials up (laughs) here looking for something. All right. Everybody, uh, big listeners, all my good friends out there listening, uh, tell a friend to tell a friend, like I always say, Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala is out on all audio podcast platforms. Listen to it on your favorite one. Like, share, subscribe, and hit me up, Matt at Pushermania.com or Talk So Realist on on X, whatever that is, and uh, Matt Sanzala on Instagram. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, Mike. All right. Later.